Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Hey, did you guys see all that stuff that's starting to gather for Operation Christmas Child? That's pretty sweet. That's right. Hey, we're pumped. Two weeks from today, we're going to be, as a congregation, we're going to pack those boxes. It's going to look a little different than we've done it in past years. That's really cool. So keep bringing the stuff, and we'll pile it up there, and then on the 30th, we're going to all get together and pack those. We're, we're pretty excited about that. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to go like this, and then turn to your neighbor and say, hold that thought. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, hold that thought. All right, we're continuing our How to Be Brave series today, so I'm going to pray and then Ryan's going to come on up. Father God, thank you. Lord, we can hang out, we can have fun, we can laugh. Lord, we can praise you. Lord, we can dig into your word. We thank you for that privilege. Lord, give us a to hear this morning. Good morning, church. Hey, uh, it's great that you are here. First time guests, welcome to Radiant Life. My name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor. It's awesome to see you all here this morning. What's great about the second service is this. You all came with umbrellas. First service started, it wasn't raining. And as we closed out the nine o'clock service, I said, I hope you don't get wet. Good luck out there. So you guys, the second service has that weather um, ahead of time, so it's great. We're on week three of our teaching series titled How to Be Brave, and I've called this, uh, this teaching this morning High as Grasshoppers. High as Grasshoppers, and we'll get to that in a bit. But will you, uh, as Pastor Josh has had, turn to your neighbor and say, hold that thought. Will you turn to your neighbor and say, do you have a good report? Oh, that wasn't enough talking. We got like two, over 200 in here. Turn to your other neighbor and say, do you have a good report? We founded this series based on a letter by the Apostle Paul that we have in our scripture titled Philippians. And I want to look at Philippians 4.8 this morning real quick. We looked at it last week if you were here. And it begins this way in Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters... And this is the new King James Version. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is what, friends? Of good reports. Turn to your neighbor and says, you got a good report. If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, what, friends? Think about such things. Think about such things. And this morning we're going to look at that whatever is of good report. Because it's easy for us to think of negative things. It's easy for uh, of us to focus on negative news. We turn on 24-7 news stations. Majority of what they're reporting is negative. And it's really easy to get into that trap of negative thinking. Yet Paul in prison, in a jail cell, in a damp, dark, cold jail cell, says, think of good report. Think of good news. And in fact, the psalmist writes in Psalm 112, you don't have to turn there, but it'll be on the screen. Psalm 112 says this, Surely the righteous will never be what? Shaken. You won't be shaken. They'll be remembered forever. And then he continues on. They will have no 
fear of bad news. <laughs> How do you live into that? Bad news is everywhere around us. How do we live into no fear of bad news? It says their hearts will be steadfast, trusting in the Lord. And in verse 8, their hearts secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. Oftentimes I look at this and say, okay, Paul, you tell us in a prison cell to have, think about good reports, good news. And then the psalmist writes, hey, I want you to know those who are righteous will fear no bad news. But how do you combine the two and live in to both the Philippians verse and the psalm verse? For some of us, we got cell phones, right? And they have, most of them have caller IDs on them now. And when you get that phone call from someone, a lot of you are like, nope, not answering that. Right? I don't know who it is, but you know when you see their caller ID, you're not answering it. Right? Because why? We know sometimes there's just negativity, they bring bad news, and we don't want it. Some of us are just God-given gifted to bring bad news to people. And you'll wonder why, I'm not going to go there. Anyways, we're just, some of us are more gifted than others in bad news. That's just, and you wonder why no one answers your phone calls. I know why staff doesn't answer my phone calls now. <laughs> hey, but that's beside the point. But back before we had cell phones, you remember we didn't even have caller ID. We had those answering machines. And you'd be like, it rings, and you're like, should I answer it? No, nah, let it go to the answering machine. It goes to the answering machine, and you begin to hear the person speak. You're like, oh, I do want to call, talk to them. And you quickly run to the phone and pick it up. You remember doing that? Because some people do bring good news. You want to talk to certain people. Other times, we get that email across our screen, and you're like, not now. I don't want to deal with this now. I just see the name, and you, you know that name is just bad news. It's just coming. You don't want to deal with it. For others of us, our boss has said, hey, I would like to speak to you. Will you come into my office? And maybe you've been working really hard, and you're like, yeah, it's about time I get recognized. But then you're like, oh, wait. <laughs> Could this be something else? This may not be good. My wife has this phrase, that, you know, she's like, Ryan, we've got to talk about something. Anxiety, like what? What? <laughs> what? Oh, we just got to talk about the kids' schedule this week. Just come out and say that right away, you know? <laughs> Why would you make me fear? Like, what do we have to talk about? Is there something secret going on? I don't know. Just say, we've got to talk about our kids' schedule. And so some of, we don't just like that phrase, hey, I've got to talk to you about something. Because we go in going, oh, is this going to be good or bad? I have no idea. But this morning, what would it look like for us to be brave and to live a life of no fear of bad news? So if you will, let's turn into the Older Testament and look at a story that I think we can get a new perspective on, living in a good report all the time. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 13. Fourth book in the Older Testament. You have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. And I'm sure majority of us do not spend a lot of time in this book. You know why it's called Numbers? We got a lot of numbers in it. 
So if you fear math, you don't want to read this, this one. But it's still it's a great letter that we have. Numbers chapter 13, and let me set the scene for us. The Israelites have just been in slavery in Egypt for over 400 years. A guy by the name of Moses was chosen to lead them out of their slavery into the promised land. What God has secured for the Israelites to live in, which is today, present day Israel. And they're on the cusp of going into the promised land, but God has spoken to Moses and the Israelites, and he tells Moses, I want you to go check out the land I have for you. That land is all yours. Send people into that land. Check it out. Do some spying work for us. And this is where we jump into the verse. Chapter 13, verse 17 reads this way. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, now who is them? Them is, there are 12 tribes of Israel. Moses has selected one person from each tribe. So we have 12 spies going into the promised land to check it out. They're on a spying mission. And Moses tells them, go up through the Negev, which is the wilderness. It's rock. Think like Grand Canyon is the Negev. And into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good? Is it bad? What kind of town do they live in? Are they walled? Are they fortified? How is the soil? Tell us, how's that soil when you come back? Is it fertile? Is it poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit in the land. So Moses has this extremely long list of things. I want you, you 12 people, go explore the land. We want to know what this promised land is that God has given us. We want to know the living conditions. We want to know what, the, what are the people like. We want to know if the cities are strong or powerful. Are they walled? Are they not? We want to know, can we plant crops there? What does it look like in this land? And by the way, do your best to bring back some of the fruit so the people can expect something great. What's over there? Bring back so we have a tangible thing to say, man, this is really good. But I want you to note something in these short verses. Not one time did Moses say, go size yourself up against the people. Not one time did Moses say, when you check out the land, come back and tell me if you think we can do it or not. Not one time did he tell them to go size themselves up. And oftentimes for us, we could have something looming ahead of us, an obstacle, a struggle, a job promotion, whatever lies ahead of us. And we often go and look into it and say, that I can't do. I'm not big enough. I'm not strong enough. And the issue becomes is we size ourselves up in our weakness to our obstacle and we don't size up the strength of God. We focus so much on our weakness that we neglect God's strength. And God actually says this land's already yours. I've already given you this land. All you have to do is obey and go into it. We got some things we got to do when we're in the land. It's already yours. Just go and take it. Go and take the land. 
And oftentimes is when we begin to size up ourselves and our weakness, the number one thing we do is retreat in fear. And we begin to live in fear and we wonder, why are we worrying? Why do we stress? Why do we live in anxiety? Because what we're doing is we're sizing up our weakness against our giant. Friends, I want you to know this. You experience your perspective. You experience your perspective. Oftentimes we don't experience reality. We experience our perception of reality. And for the Israelites, they're going to come back to guys carrying grapes. Their grapes are massive in the land. Two guys have to take a stick and carry these suckers into the land. They're massive. That's what lies ahead. The land's great. But the issue is people are going to come back with a bad report. And they're going to believe the bad report. They're going to believe that perspective instead of the reality. Look at these grapes and this land is already yours. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you got a good, new, a good report? Turn to your other neighbor and say, do you got a good report? Let's jump to verse 27. The story continues. They gave Moses this account. The spies are back. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. So they're like, this is great. The land is awesome. The fertile's great. The soil's great. Not the fertile. The soil's great. It's fertile. And we've got big grapes. Here's proof. It's awesome. And they said, but people. Here's reality. Yes, it's flowing with milk and honey. Yes, we have big grapes. These are big, big mananas. And it's awesome. But the people. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. Even, we even saw descendants of Anak there. And Anak is one bad dude. His descendants are in this land. They continue this bad report. The Amalekites live in the Negev, which again is to think of Grand Canyon. The Hittites, the Jesubites, the Amorites, the Cellulites, the Mosquito Bites, they all live in the hill country. It's just bad. There's people everywhere. Not only people in the wilderness <laughs> and in the Negev, not only people in the hill country, it doesn't stop there. Guess what, Moses and all the people listening? And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. The land is occupied with people who are powerful. It's too many. But it is a good land. It does flow with milk and honey. There is some big mamma jamma grapes in there too, which we can devour. But the people. But the people. The promise is true. The land's there. God says it's flowing with milk and honey. It's true. But the people. They began to size themselves up against the people who lived there. They don't size themselves up and go and grab the promises of God. Why? Because they're too worried about the people. They're too worried in their weakness about the people. And what's interesting is of the twelve, ten come back and say, there's giants in that land. Two come back and we can take them. Ten people come back and said they're too powerful. There's no way we can do 
two people come back and say, we can take it. And Caleb and Joshua, the two spies that say, we can do it, and jump with me to the next chapter, in chapter 14, Caleb's going to have enough of this. There's a bad report going around in the, in the community. So turn to your neighbor and say, do you got a good report? Numbers 14, verse 30. Here's Caleb's response amidst all this. Because all of a sudden, the Lord and Moses, the people are getting upset. They actually want to stone Caleb and Joshua. They're like, you're dumb. Stop saying it's good. Everyone else is saying the land is too powerful. We can't do it. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 30, here's Caleb. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, I imagine Caleb gets up and just be like, shut up. Just shut up. I got something to say. And he goes and says this. We should go and take the possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. And can you imagine being out in the crowd? You've heard ten people say, they're too big, they're too powerful, we can't do this. Yeah, big mamma jamma grapes, yeah, land flow with milk and honey, but the people, there's too many, they're too powerful, we can't do this. And all of a sudden, the dude gets up and says, we can do it. We can take it. The story continues, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. Can't do it. And they spread among the Israelites a what, friends? Turn to your neighbor and say, you got a good report. They spread, the ten began to spread a bad report along, amongst the land that they had explored. It goes on. And they said, the land we explored they devour those living in it. All the people we saw there of great size. They're giants. They're huge. And they continue the bad report. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. Again, bad dude. Come from the Nephilim. And he goes on. We seemed like what? Grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked same to them. Can't do it. They're too big. For us, the grasshoppers. It's interesting as archaeology have, have dug cemeteries dating back to this time in the biblical text. And they have found two recent discoveries. Number one, they have found female bodies in the cemeteries that are seven feet tall. That's some tall women. That's a tall dude. The men there that they've discovered in the cemetery, up to nine feet tall. And the Israelites say, we can't do this. They're too big. They're too powerful. I'm 6'6". Six, six. They're probably nine feet tall. And the Israelites said, we're grasshoppers to these things. Can't do it. It's the land that God told us to go, but we can't do it. These are in the way. And for us, we may not be facing giants of people, 
but we have giants in our lives that are getting in the way of what God needs to do in us. These giants represent addictions in our lives. Where we just feel like, man, I, this thing is just too big for me. I'm just always going to be underneath this addiction. I can't defeat it. It's too big. It's too powerful. For others, it's unforgiveness. Man, in bitterness, I just have this angst against someone. And it's just been a dark cloud over me. That's the giant that I'm facing. I can just, I will never be able to forgive them. For others of us, it's our job. And I can't stand my job. I don't know why God has me here. I just can't stand it. It just feels like a giant. I'm going nowhere against this thing. For some, this is fear. This is worry. This is regret. This is shame. For us, these things feel too powerful, too strong, that we will always be looking up to our giants. My question becomes, as I was reading this story, what made Caleb and Joshua different? Why did they believe a good report when ten came back but there's these in the world. Because I want to live like Caleb. I want to live like Joshua. I don't want these to feel like they're bigger and stronger than me. So what made them different? Turn to your neighbor and say, you got a good report. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you got a good report. Prop number two. I've had fun this weekend with this thing. Uh, you're good. I will not hit you. I promise. I may hit Ellen, but not you. Hi, Jeff. What made Joshua and Caleb different? To everyone else, they're grasshoppers. I think what made them different And get the cobwebs down. All of a sudden, I don't look like the grasshopper to that giant. That giant. It's like, it fixes out. Come on, guys. I see everyone getting it out anyway. You know, so I can pose. All of a sudden, those giants look like that happens to me. Go, go to the next one. Elevating our perspective with this bravery path. That thing doesn't look scary from up here. 
I wish you could see my vantage point. I actually want to body slam that thing from up here. It doesn't look scary. The problem is when we face those giants, when we face the struggles, addictions, the anxiety, the worry, the fears, the unforgiveness, the broken relationships, all we see is from our vantage point from down there, we look up and we feel like a grasshopper. Why, Joshua and Caleb, do you think you can defeat that thing? Because they've elevated their perspective. That thing's not scary. Okay, maybe being up here on this thing, it's swinging scary, but... <laughs> kind of defeated my point now. <laughs> What's interesting is all the 12 spies, they all saw the same reality. They all saw the giants in the land. But it was their perspective. That's why in our lives we experience our perspective. Ken came back saying, yeah, their perspective was down on the floor. That's why we're grasshoppers. Two came back and said, my, my experience and perspective is God's already given us that land. They're giants. We can take them. The question is, do you believe your giants are bigger and stronger than the God that you serve? If you believe that, you better rethink your relationship with Jesus Christ. There's not a single addiction, struggle, broken relationship, shame, guilt, your past. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And oftentimes, we've got to come up here to get that perspective. So how do we do that? How do I come up here? Well, in week one of our series, How to Be Brave, we said one of the ways is to elevate our worship. When you're facing a giant, whatever lies ahead, it's a whole different ballgame when you begin to worship in the midst of it. Will you change your perspective? For some of us, we have to, number one, we have to choose. What perception am I going to experience in my life? Am I going to think, yes, this giant that I face, I'm a grasshopper, or am I going to choose, you know what, my God is bigger than that giant? you got to choose. What perspective are you going to believe? And number two, after you choose, you got to change your view. Because what the problem is, is we can remain on the floor and say, yeah, I'm going to choose that my God's bigger, but the issue is we still remain on the floor. You've got to begin to take steps. And the first thing I think is we begin to worship in the midst of our giants. All right, pretty incredible. I'm going to come down. Christy, you can come on stage. When we're grasshoppers to our giants, and that's all we focus on is our giants, we're going to stumble. But in the midst of our giants, if we decide, God, you are so much greater, you are so much stronger, you are so much bigger than this, our giants will begin to stumble. Please stand and I pray.
Father God, as we discussed this morning, there can be so many times in our lives that we're just surrounded by bad news. Sometimes those bad news struggle. To struggle and it feels like it's a giant that's just looking down over us. We feel like grasshoppers. So Father, I pray in the midst of bad news that we would live into good reports, that we would elevate our perspective so we have bravery to act and act and tackle those giants with your strength. Jesus, it was you that was crucified, that was buried, that was defeated, that seemed like that's the worst news at all. But what happened, God, is Jesus, you went to the cross for us. Because you knew that your heavenly Father was up to something big. On the cross, you knew that you cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You knew there's something bigger going on. And three days later, that grave was empty. You defeated death, you defeated Satan, and now people can experience a radiant life with you. People can walk from darkness into light. People can look at their giants and say, my God is bigger, my God is stronger than this. He's stronger than the health report. He's stronger than my broken finances. He's stronger than my unforgiveness. He can forgive through me. It's in His power because there is nothing like the power of Jesus in our lives. So I pray, God, for every person here this morning that we begin to elevate our perspective against our giants and that we cry out for heaven to come down. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward, and as they forward, uh, you can grab your connection card out as I move this thing back. Grab your connection card out. We're going to take this morning's offering. If you are a first-time guest with us, what we say is sit on your wallet. We don't expect you to give at all, but our giving is just an act of worship back to God, just to say, God, thank you so much for what you've done in our lives. Let's pray for the offering and we'll sing and close. God bless both the gift and the giver. And as I prayed in the first service, I pray now, God, that this offering would expand your kingdom, but it would also help us to face our giants. It would help us all to get a new experience, a new perspective of the struggles that lie ahead. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. For some of us, the giant's still big. still feel like we're looking up at it. Church, we have to elevate our perspective. You have to live into knowing that the God you serve is bigger and stronger than the giant you face. So turn to your neighbor and say, elevate your perspective. Elevate your perspective. Next week we close this series, How to Be Brave.
What happens if we feel like more than one giant is surrounding and we can't elevate? Well, I guess you got to come back next week. <laughs> hey. Life groups start tonight at 5 o'clock in various homes. And if you are in Mick and Monica Carpenter's small group, you are actually going to launch next week. Okay, so if you're in Mick and Monica, you get to watch a little more football tonight, all right? But for the rest of us, starts at 5 o'clock. Blessings to you. Go and bless someone this week.